Hey there, you're listening to Ghost Notes, the podcast where we talk about music inside and out. My name's Noah, but you probably know me better as Polyphonic. And I'm Corey, and you probably know me as 12-Tone. And today, it's we're recording this in December, so we're going to talk about Spotify Wrapped. And, you know, more broadly, like the datification of music in general. This was your thing. Do you want to explain what you were thinking? It definitely came about because it is it is December, and I'm seeing everyone sort of like posting their Spotify Wrapped and stuff like that. And, you know... I use Tidal, but I get like monthly sort of like, here's the songs you've listened to this month on Tidal and stuff like that. And I just, I think it's something interesting because I don't think it's particularly new. Like I think there's been in various ways sort of desires to datify music, but you know, we live in, we live in, I guess the golden age of data mining. What <laughs> really sort of interests me about it is the way that I think it is kind of changing how we listen to music, not necessarily for the better or worse, but I think that there is a distinct change with this sort of data-driven music fandom, and I wanted to explore that a little. Yeah, and I should, as a disclaimer just up front, I don't use Spotify either. I also don't use Tidal. This is not something I have a lot of personal experience with, and that's probably... like that. That's not an accident in terms of my relationship to these sorts of things, but it is also going to color at least my viewpoint. And like, I, I don't know, people's experiences color their viewpoints. So yes. yours will as well. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I just I want to be clear up front about that, uh, that this is in a lot of ways of a, a music experience I have actively avoided. And so that's going to be my perspective. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone should avoid it. It's just, you know, who I am as a music listener. Yeah. So do you want to sort of explain your personal reasons for why you haven't gone into that? I think that's a good place to start. Sure. So, I mean, I initially didn't get Spotify because I am a late adopter to every platform and technology. Yep. And then I didn't get Spotify because I was hearing it was bad for artists and didn't pay them very well. Yep. And was overly biased towards, you know, making the thing as cheap as possible for listeners in a way that was not good for the people actually making the art. And then I kept not getting it mostly out of inertia. Like at this point, I listen to a lot of my music on YouTube, which also doesn't pay artists very well. So I don't yeah. want to pretend I have a moral high ground here. There's an extent to which like paying a platform feels different if I'm paying them for music that they are not paying for. Yeah. Like, and so there, there's like, there's some extent to which it still feels like a, a moral thing, but it's really like. And again, a lot of it is also this wanting to avoid the datification side of things. Like a thing that I know about me is that I am very drawn to thinking about things yeah. in terms of numbers and data. And like this is this is one of the reasons on YouTube I like I run a browser extension to hide all view counts across the app. Oh, not the app, the website. I do it on my computer. I make it so I can't see how videos are performing mine or anyone else's because I know how focused I can get on that. And like in terms of music, I remember like as a teenager, I did a lot of my listening on iTunes and iTunes yep. had, you know, a listen count. Play counts. Yeah, play counts. Well, I was going to say, like, I think it's interesting because that was also something I was thinking of sort of when this came into mind is. I, I remember, I have very distinct memories of, you know, tracking my play counts and sort yeah. of like, not entirely artificially, because I did like, like, I did listen to the song and I did always listen to the song, but I liked seeing sort of how high my play count could go. Yeah. But not in a way where I would just like sit and listen to a song on repeat. But, you know, I think, I think this is something that, that I felt from it early, and I think this is something that people feel like a lot, a lot more of in Spotify Wrapped is I yeah. think I think this datification gives people a sense of almost like pride in the amount of music they listen to, or alternatively, the you know the 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 amount was more with just the hard yeah. counts. Now that there's more data, that people have a lot of pride in the you know the the obscurity that they listen to, or that they are in the top zero point one percent of listeners of yeah. these musics in the world. And again, I don't want to come off. 
I want to be cautious with this because I don't want to come off like a complete curmudgeon. I think it's a fun thing, but yeah, there's a performativity to music listening that comes with it. I think when you do, you know, sort of you get this data, this objective data driven feedback and you're able to kind of post out words and share to everyone. Hey, this is the music that, you know, makes me special. There's a bit of a a, a performativity to it that I don't love. Yeah. And I think like on on one of your points in there, I do want to emphasize that like me more than Noah, but we are both at this point, old folks yelling at clouds about like popular culture. Yes. That's where we're coming from. Like I turned 34 this year. I, I don't know exactly how old Noah is, but like not that far behind me. I turned 30 a month ago. Dang. Well, uh, my condolences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing I was going to say about like iTunes was what I did uh, with the play accounts are completely different from what you did. Apparently, uh, was I sorted it by play count and then set it to live update so that it would only play songs that had the lowest play count because I wanted them all to be even. Which, as I say out loud, sounds... That's hilarious. That is directly so, the opposite. But That's like, so you, funny. You know me. That that makes sense for me. Uh, yes, and like, no, it, it tracks. You know, in principle, it was a cool idea, but like it wound up, I think, leading to a significantly worse overall music listening experience. Yes. Because what would happen... Well, first of all, what would happen is that when you sort by play count, the secondary sort is by artist, not song name. Uh, and if it was song name, that's basically pseudo random. That's fine. But like artist is basically sorting by style. And so I'd have this huge chunk of like the bare naked ladies and then this huge chunk of Rob Zombie. They weren't right next to each other because there's a lot of letters between B and R. Uh, and then like it wasn't like the actual thing I wanted, which was shuffle, which I did yes. on my iPod, which didn't have play counts. But when I was listening on my computer, it was always that. And so like if I ever got new music, what wound up happening was like my old music just never came up anymore. And so, and then like, yeah, that, that wound up being, I think worse because I was focused on getting those numbers to do the thing I wanted them to. And I don't even have a good reason for wanting them to be even beyond that. It was aesthetically pleasing. Like that's part of my thing with this is the, you, you know, I think that there are, and again, I don't think there's a wrong way to listen to music, but I think there way, there are ways that I would call more organic to listen to music. Yeah. Um and you know, I don't I'm I don't think people are out here trying to game their, you know, Spotify no. wrapped. I think I think most people don't really think about Spotify wrapped until it's the end of the year and then they get their Spotify wrapped and you know, make a big deal about it. But I think yeah. one of the things that happens is sort of Getting that data about your own listening habits, whether you want to or not, sort of opts you into a feedback cycle of being aware of your listening habits and observing your listening habits from a sort of self-conscious point of view, which that's the thing that I think that I I struggle with. Um, Yeah, I think so to be to be charitable. I think there is value in being aware of your listening. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, like I said, if I look back at how I used iTunes at the time, like I, I would say that there is it's arguable that there is a wrong way to listen to music. And that's ways that you don't actually enjoy. Like I look back on that and that was not to my mind like what I wanted. And I can see that because when I had my iPod, I just put it on shuffle. When I didn't have those numbers in front of me, that's what I wanted to do. And so like, if I had been a little more aware of the fact that this practice wasn't leading me to the music experience I actually wanted to have, I think that probably would have been good for me. And I think also just sort of, like I said, being conscious of what you're listening to and what it's doing for you is a lot of what you and I do professionally. And there's a lot of... Yes. Yeah. How that, I, I don't think that raw numbers is a useful endpoint for that, but it can be a way to kick that off. But yeah. Yeah. Like it is also just fun. Like it's fun and interesting to yeah. get this stuff. But I think that sort of philosophically, I think it's a continuation of this determination to quantify absolutely everything in life. And I think 
for me, one of the appeals of culture is the fact that it is pretty unquantifiable by nature. And, you you know, I think I think there's degrees to which even, you know, I listen to a lot of my music on records. I know which records I listen to more and less just, you know, by virtue of having a memory and also by virtue of usually they're sitting at the front of my collection because I'm bad at putting stuff back where it's supposed (laughs) to go um, because I'm a menace. Uh, Yeah, but can't be trusted. Even that there's a bit of a buffer and a bit of uh, subjectiveness to it. I think that there's something that comes from and, and maybe this is I don't know, maybe I'm getting too kind of poetic or romantic about this. But I think when you do reduce something as sort of unique and as core to, you know, who you are and your experience of the world as your culture into sort of solid numbers that plot you against everyone else's solid numbers and say, you know, you listen to 38,000 more minutes than the average person or something like that. I I feel yeah. like it cheapens it to me, I guess. For me, the part that stands out that you were hitting on at the end there that has always sort of been the thing that rubs me the wrong way is the global stats aspect of it. Like there's, yeah. it feels so different to me to say like, you listen to this song 400 times, then you were in the top 1% of listeners for this yes. song. Yeah. Like that feels, cause, cause like, I don't know. This is, this is maybe a weird analogy to draw. Uh, but if I say Zachtronics, does that mean anything to you? No. Uh, so they are a game development studio. They make puzzle games that are sort of like, coding based and one of the things they do is because there's every puzzle has a lot of solutions and so they'll give you they'll collect stats from everyone who plays the game and they'll give you a chart of like where you fall in that as a way of being like oh you could improve your you could improve your code you could improve whatever uh but on these parameters that we've decided to measure and i think that's interesting in that context because there's an objective best solution like there is a puzzle that solves it in the fewest lines or that in the fewest ter- cycles or whatever, whatever, it's, whatever it's measuring in that particular game. But there's not an objective best, but, but like, you know, the, the comparison part of Wrapped and the comparison part of a lot of these things feels like it's doing that too, even though there's not an objective best number of times to have yes. listened to this song. And it feels like it is, it's associating more listening with better listening. And like, again, I I want to be careful here because more listening can be better listening. I don't want to say that you have to be exploring a bunch of new music in order to be like a real music fan. That's not a thing. Uh, Sorry, real music fans are a thing. They're just not determined by that. They're determined by being fans of music. But I I think that's, I think that's very much part of the thing is I think uh, you really hit it on the head there where I think it, it serves to underline these sort of, yeah, arbitrary hierarchies that have been created in music and that are things that run very deep in music and often have, you know, like gatekeepy misogynistic roots, things like this, like the idea of being a bigger fan of someone than something else. The idea that you can sort of like put a number behind that. It's like, well, everyone's appreciation of music operates in very, very different ways. I mean, I think it's, I think it's funny with what, one of the things that spawned this was I get my, I got my, like, you know, like my title things and my most listened to artists in a given month. Like I, it's like a couple dozen streams. Like it's not really that much. And it made me think, uh, you, you know, especially with it coming out next to Spotify wrapped where you have, you know, millions of people posting, Oh, I've listened to this much of this artist. I spent this many years listening to music and stuff. There's sort of an, uh, an insecurity that comes up there. And I didn't, I didn't love that feeling. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in my music listening habits now, but it's the, it's just the little, the little pulse that you feel, you know, where you're like, Oh, am I really not that much of a fan? It's like, no, I, I, uh, yeah. I've, I've made my living talking about music. I think I'm a pretty big music fan. Yeah, no, Polyphonic, huge imposter, does not listen to music. Yeah, doesn't yep. even know what music is. Never heard. Has of it. never heard a song. Yeah, but but I think that uh, that's yeah. something that's easy for you know it's easy for me yeah. to shrug off. But for like you know like younger kids getting into music, for people exploring genres that they've sort of historically been 
cut out of or, you know, you know, like that kind of pressure comparing oneself to every other listener out there. I don't think it's I don't think it's good and healthy for for music fandom. Yeah, I mean, I think I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. Are you familiar with Goodhart's Law? I think you have. It sounds familiar, but I'm going to need another example. Okay. Uh, I was, oh, was yes. going to have to say it anyway yeah. for the listeners, but uh, it's uh, it's an axiom that says uh, when a metric becomes a target, it ceases to be a good metric. And that's you know often used in cases that are about like active implementation and strategy. And I think like, you know, it, the classic example is like standardized tests, like standardized tests. Yeah are in principle a solid way to measure what students know. But as soon as you attach like financial like rewards to school districts and teachers that and students potentially that do well, not necessarily financial on students, but like, you know, the SATs, like there's all of this incentive for people to try to optimize for what the test wants rather than actually learning the subject. And there's always going to be a little difference. And I think in this case, you don't have like that sort of top-down mechanistic thing, but there's still this sort of social target to it that you get by like feeling like you're a big enough fan to have been in this yeah. top 0.1% or whatever. Uh, and that you get to then show that off. And so it makes it so that, and again, I don't want to assume anyone else's like ideal musical experience. Maybe yeah. listening to that one band exclusively is what you wanted to do anyway. But I do feel like it creates this pressure to do it more because the system has decided for you what it means to be the best possible fan of this particular band or this particular song or whatever or style or whatever. I don't think that plays in in that people are sort of like consciously like, oh, no. I'm going to listen to this. But I think every year Spotify rap comes out. Every year, people celebrate being in the top whatever percentage. People celebrate, you know, most minutes listened to and stuff like that. And that creates a culture of this that sort yeah. of permeates everybody subconsciously. Like, I don't think this is a, I want to be clear on that. Yeah. It's more like it, it makes you feel good. And so, it, you know, the point of the feel good mechanisms in your brain is to encourage you to repeat the behavior. Yes. And, and so it is training you to interpret being a fan in this particular way. But I also think like, you know, there, there's an extent to which like you, I, I assume you saw this, that this year Spotify had a lot of artists record video messages yes, yeah. to thank people above a certain percentage. And like, that's a concrete incentive yes. to get to that number. You know, if you assume they're going to do it next year now, like if I think I might be in the top 2% of, you know, uh, Blink-182 listeners, but I know that if I get in the top 1%, Tom DeLong will send me a video. That's an incentive I have to listen to more Blink-182, which changes how I listen to music on the platform. And specifically also, and this is where we get into the, the stuff that everything I've talked about before is sort of surface level problems that I have, but they they you know feed into a bigger problem, which is that it doesn't just incentivize you to listen to more Blink-182. It specifically incentivizes you to listen to more Blink-182 on Spotify. And it incentivizes yeah. you to move toward Spotify. It incentivizes you to rely on the platform yeah. as both your go-to venue and as, you know, this sort of, decider of your own tastes if you listen to it in on itunes that's not reporting stats to anyone and so yeah like like i said i'm, I'm surprised it took us a whole 20 minutes to get to the platforms aren't your friends section of yes. this discussion yeah but, um, but we're here now yeah i wanted to yeah. buffer a little with because i think all of the stuff we're talking about earlier sort of feeds into yeah. this reality yeah. because Ultimately, what platforms want, what they want is they want you to listen to to go to them for everything. Yeah. And when they are the only one that you go to for everything, they can dictate terrible terms to artists. They control the market. Yeah. They have a monopsony on the market and they can control these terrible terms that, you know, it it's. It's a lie that by listening to an artist on Spotify more, you are helping to support that artist. But that lie is yeah. sort of 
perpetuated by this incentive yeah. cycle of datification, feeling it's, good, yeah. wanting to listen to more. Like yeah. it's uh, all of those, like you were saying, feel good incentives end up leading to, you know, you associating joy and pleasure and music listening and especially associating supporting an artist with listening to them on a platform that generally does not support the artist very well. And, yeah. you, you know, I think there's there's always a pride in, or, or at least there used to be a pride in, like, you know, like owning CDs of your favorite band or something like that. And that also supports a lot of horrible industry stuff. But buying stuff directly from a band does exponentially more than support yeah. a band. Literally buying one CD or one album of a band probably delivers more money in their pocket than like a, a month's worth of your streaming their stuff. Yeah, which admittedly, like, and this is a thing that I always get a little weird about that particular thing is like, you know, you're not wrong, but if I buy a CD, I will still have it next month and not have to buy it yeah, again. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and so the, the, so the argument in favor, which I don't think is true, I don't think the numbers add up on this in any particularly useful way, but the argument in favor of it is that they get paid more over time, like comparing the payment they get for a stream to a payment they get from a CD. That is, is true. kind of deceptive. But on the other hand, like how many times are you going to listen to a CD? The other thing too on that on that note is that, you know, historically when CD sales were at their all time peak, that was the time when musicians were making the most money. Yes. So yeah, no, that is certainly true. Yeah, like that is. But yeah, I, th I think a lot of it for me is like, to your point, all of the stuff we were talking about in the beginning of like how this how behaviors can be shaped. There's nothing wrong with those behaviors. Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely believe that like. Like if you really want the numbers on your iTunes play counts to be even, that's a fine way to listen to music. Like or if yeah. you really want this one artist to get to a million listens as quickly as possible. A uh, little hack on that for iTunes, play count just counts the number of times the song ends. <laughs> so, you know, you, if you, you can get a lot more efficient listening done. Good, if you just, good for you, you just to tell people that. those iTunes hacks, yeah. Corey's. You're, de you're definitely yeah, no. not dating <laughs> yourself. <laughs> cutting, cutting edge on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like, you know, this is whatever is the most satisfying way to do this for you is great. And if like if the numbers help you accomplish that goal by making you more aware of what you're listening to and why. Awesome. I love that. The reason it makes me and it, I think Noah, it sounds like Noah as well, uncomfortable has a lot more to do with the fact that it's Spotify has an incentive to try to push you in a certain direction. They want you to have a certain interpretation of what it means to be a fan of a band or a fan yeah. of a style of music. And that incentive is not driven by giving even a little bit of a crap about that music. Yeah. Like very demonstrably Spotify does not. Uh, and so they have, they build these structures. And this is the thing like, you know, coming from YouTube, you and I are both very aware of is that like, you know, there are all of these structures and incentives that try to, you know, this is the thing, again, I'm, I'm going to go off on a little YouTube tangent. Um, you're just going to have to deal with it. I have a lot of thought. <laughs> But like the thing with YouTube is that a lot of their decisions these days are driven by a set of statistics that they call viewer satisfaction. And when people ask why they do things, the answer is we saw viewer satisfaction go up when this happened, when we made this change. And they have, they have complicated definitions for what that means. It partly involves watch time. It partly involves, you know, time on the platform. It partly involves like those surveys that pop up occasionally. Like there's, it's complicated, but they have a set of numbers that they boil down into a stat that they call viewer satisfaction. But viewer satisfaction is not a numerical thing. Like it's not a thing that you can put a number on. And so they, again, this goes back to Goodhart's law. They have this like proxy metric and I, I promise this is related, uh, like, but they have this this proxy metric that determines like what it means for you to be a happy YouTube uh, viewer. They obviously are incentivized to shape that in ways that then increase their profit. 
And so things like spending more yeah. time on the platform is something that they've decided implies satisfaction when anyone who's ever spent any time doom scrolling knows that it definitely doesn't necessarily mean that. But that's not a thing that they're interested in teasing out because trying to get you to spend less time on the platform if it's healthier for you means you're spending less time on the platform. And Spotify is also a company, is also a platform, has all of those same incentives to try and define you getting the most out of your musical experience in a way that aligns with their corporate profit incentives. Yeah. Yeah. Well... And to convince you that that is the definition as well. And then, like, kind of going into the corporate profit incentives too, one of the other big things about this is, as we've talked about in the past, music listening, what you listen to is a pretty big indicator of, you know, a lot of personality traits. It tends to be tied to a lot of cultural things and things like that. One of the big reasons why Spotify and other streaming services love having all of this, you, you know, love being able to collect this data is then they can form profiles on you and sell those profiles to advertisers and keep you sort of locked into this positive feedback cycle of, you know, you know, often, often it with Spotify, it is this positive feedback cycle of, um, you know, associating yourself as this kind of this kind of music listener you know i and and spotify literally pretty explicitly sort of did it this year i think where they had a thing where it's like or maybe that's the maybe there was a reddit one i'm thinking of i don't know but there's a like like profile of you know oh you're this kind of music listener as you sort of yeah. associate closer with that it allows them to really sort of hone in and data mine you and target stuff to you and sell you stuff in ways that will keep you coming to their platforms, which in turn keeps their platforms in control, right? And allows yeah. them to continue to dictate because they are the only one. Yeah. I mean, this, this is the thing that like, I think is really important to stress because like in, in a way, like Spotify is a subscription service. Yeah. And so as long as you're paying for your subscription, they don't actually care if you're using it. It's actually a little better for them if you don't because they're not paying for the bandwidth. But it's also really important to them that you maintain your subscription. And so they need you to think that they are the to think of them as the place where music is. Yes. And they you know, it's also beneficial to them if you're out there like you know, if when you send someone a link to a song, the link you send is a Spotify link yeah. because you can't listen to those without a Spotify account. I know this because I don't have a Spotify yeah, account. Because people send me Spotify uh, links all the time, <laughs> all the time. And it's just like I I, like I would love to check this song out. I cannot listen to this. Uh, and I'll, I'll usually go look it up on YouTube if I really want to listen. But like, you know, those sorts of things that that is just sort of I don't think that's malicious on the part of anyone sending me those links. Yeah. But it is, so it's just intuitive. It's just like, oh, Spotify is where music lives. Corey listens to music. Corey therefore has a Spotify. I can send Corey Spotify links. I don't know that they even go through that many steps. I think it's just like, this is where I heard this song. This is the link I'm going to send. And that just becomes, and allows them to have this sort of ubiquitous place that, you know, again, YouTube occupies with like at least long form video these days. Like TikTok did happen. But it's really interesting because, like historically, music has been incredibly difficult to pin down in that place. There has been a consolidation of on on the production and distributor side of labels, yeah. but on your listener side, up until sort of the dominance of Spotify, there were f several forms of media. You know, you know, you you've regularly had several yeah. formats competing with each other. Also, just you know. Going in, you you had people who would listen to records in their home and then cassettes in their car or radio in their car. Um, and you still do have these, yeah. but historically it's been difficult for anything to have like such a tight control on, you know, what is music and 
where you find music because of the nature of music's distribution systems. But now those have been narrowed and narrowed. And at the end of the day, even when, you know, even sort of the period when CD was kind of the only, you know, file type that was, uh, or yeah. or media form, you the know, vinyl had died. Yeah, cassettes were CDs, basically better than cassette in <laughs> most ways. I cassettes, uh, yeah. At the time, I think cassettes are really cool. Still, I think there's a lot of value in just coolness. But um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Broadly, in the end, like what I'm saying is that 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 doesn't exist anymore in that scene. You, yeah. you had a ton of different, you know, venues where you could buy CDs. You had a ton of different distributors, different store outlets, things like that. Everything now is Spotify. And when you have other places to go, musicians have more bargaining power because they can just yeah. threaten to go somewhere else. Um, musicians can't yeah. threaten to go somewhere other than Spotify. You cannot have a career and not be on Spotify unless you are already established. I mean, there are still like, yeah, there are still other platforms. Like there's like, you know, like iTunes, the iTunes store still exists. Pandora still exists. Tidal, like Bandcamp is a big one, but like it's, there's, yeah, there's, you're not wrong that I think Spotify has become really a cultural hegemon in a lot yeah. of these, like re- really taken over sort of the default position in a way that, you know, for a long time, I, I say for a long time, CDs didn't last that long, but like, yeah, for, for, there was like a good decade or two there, CDs were like the thing. And then, you know, LimeWire came along. Yeah. <laughs> and iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would attribute a lot of the early success of iTunes to LimeWire. Yes, I Napster agree. And, you yeah. Know, <laughs> like, the extent to which that became the platform had a lot to do with yeah. the extent to which it let you get the MP3s from other people's CDs. I, well, and I think I think the thing that's like, and we're we're sort of fully off of the datafication now and just onto why platforms yeah. are bad. Um, but well, I think those are related. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> One of the ironic things is that pirating the the bleak future that they said about pirating what it would cause for musicians is what Spotify has caused for musicians. It's just yeah. labels are fine because they are part owners in Spotify. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's a lot of it. It's like Spotify in as much as LimeWire, like whatever, if we want to call it piracy. Yeah. Like Spotify is very similar. <laughs> like yes. In terms of the amount that it compensates artists or anyone but Spotify for the music that you consume. They're just doing it in a way that is, and I don't know, like there there are, there are differences. There are certainly legal differences. Yeah. I would have to think harder and have some longer, deeper conversations about whether there are actually ethical Ethical, differences. Yeah. Uh, Like, but there's definitely, there are differences. Uh, And that sort of is, is important, but like, there's an extent to which that is, I think the reason we got to the future that those predictions predicted is because, like you say, labels realized that that would actually be a good future for them if they controlled the distribution platform. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what they did because, you know, they couldn't really fight the like, no, people should pay individually for like songs and albums that that fight was a losing fight and they knew it. And so they built something that was convenient enough that people were willing to pay a little bit for it. And then just, you know, didn't took took that money for themselves and took that money for Spotify. So it's yeah, it, I think a lot of it is down inevitably downstream of that. But again, like, I, and I don't want to put that on like, you know, the teenagers who use Napster and like LimeWire yeah. and stuff. That's not what happened. That's, I think, a really convenient scapegoat is to be like, people were pirating, so we had to do this. And it's like, well, I think a lot more of it is piracy became an option. And so they had to do this. And that whether or not, like, you personally were downloading songs off LimeWire, uh, that none of which were viruses, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) And none of which were inaccurately named. (laughs) 
Sex and Candy yeah, no, is I never... definitely by Nirvana. And Red Red Wine is Bob Marley's greatest song. Yeah, huge fan of Bob Marley's Red Red Wine. None of that is to put that on people who were doing that. That was a, such a small impact on the industry. It was just, you know, the wind started blowing in that direction and they adjusted their sales. Yeah. Yeah. And the sales with an I, not E, although that it, I didn't a good mean pun. the wordplay, but it was, yeah. it was good wordplay. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I just want to be clear that it existed and that I am very clever. Yeah. And to to sort of like reel it back into the data driven, uh, y- you know, datification yeah. of music. Um, I think that what all of this really what we're all of this that we're talking about is just sort of a seismic shift that has occurred in the way that people listen to music. And that's not inherently a bad thing. Anytime a new technology comes along, there is a seismic shift in the way that people listen to music and each medium will have its own quirks and benefits. And I do think there are quirks to this datafication. I think there's, I think there's fun stuff. I think it's, I, I think, I think a lot of my problem is that I have trouble, you know, I have trouble seeing the the sort of fun and neatness of it when I know the sort of insidious yeah. things going on behind the surface. But I think I think it is, you know, I've I've done Spotify raps before. I've enjoyed them. You get a kick out of them, but the more that you understand about how and why these things function, the harder yeah. and harder it is for these to seem like little innocuous trivia about yourself. Yeah, I think a lot of it is like, you know, why the data is there. Like, they don't know how many times you listened to, um, uh, what's a funny example, Uh, tub thumping, uh, (laughs) by, uh, because they just really care that you understand your own personal connection to tub thumping. Like, that's not the point of collecting and storing that data. And I don't think anyone thinks it is, right? Like, this is not... Yeah. I don't think we're blowing anyone's mind to say that Spotify is a business that has business motives. Yeah, yeah. that's, That's sort of default, but I think there's an extent to which... Spotify wrapped and like, you know, the, the YouTube things that they do and like all of these sorts of things, like YouTube year in review, all of these things are meant to sort of communicate that, you know, it's, it's fine that they're doing that because they're doing it because they love the art. Yeah. And that they, the reason like, you know, sure, maybe they're collecting your tub thumping listening habits and using that to determine whether you're a good target for tub thumping related advertising, you know, mostly for whiskey drinks, but, um, Sometimes for longer <laughs> drinks, sometimes for <laughs> cider drinks. I couldn't get through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Though those are like everyone knows they're collecting those for their own business purposes. We're not blowing anyone's mind here, but I think that the point is to imply that they're, you know, also doing it for fun and also like it's a cool thing that we're all doing and like it is. But the more aware at least for me, the more aware I am, I don't want to like project into anyone else's brain. Uh, that sounds terrifying, (laughs) but like the more aware I am of the extent to which that is a purposeful misdirect away from the thing that everyone knows they're doing and the reasons everyone knows they're doing it to try and personify like that's, I think that's it. That's what I'm trying to say is that, the datification that they're presenting and the way that they do it is almost to deflect from the idea of datification and to personify them as your friend who knows your music tastes. Yeah. And to make them a character in your life who has, you know, thoughts and opinions and just loves sharing cool music with you. And I know that people don't necessarily fully internalize that. But it is also like it makes it the more you think about them like that, the less you're thinking about them in ways that I think are better to understand platforms in general. Yeah, I think that that's a I think that's a really, really um, apt way of putting it. I think you I think you really hit the nail on the head there. Like 
again, I don't think wrapped is bad, but it gives me icky feelings when I see it every yeah. year. You know, it, it gives me icky feelings to see everyone doing exactly, you know, what they now I just sound like a like rabid conspiracy theorist, but exactly what they want yeah. to do. Right. It's it's playing into their yeah. hand. And it's also like every year it becomes sort of bigger and it's more of a cultural moment. And it also you know, conveniently drops, uh, and, and this, I don't think this, I don't think this is actually like it specifically drops this way for that reason, but you know, actually come to think of it. No, I think it fully is. It conveniently drops yeah. right, right at the start of the highest advertising, biggest spend season. It doesn't actually drop at the end of the year. It would make way more sense for it to drop, you yeah. know, December 31st or January 1st. Yes. Yeah. But it drops in December because Spotify wants to be in the cultural conversation, you know, at the front yeah. of the zeitgeist as the year's coming up. Maybe, maybe people are looking at, buying plans for Christmas presents, advertising rates are way higher. So people who aren't on, uh, you know, premium plans and are listening with ads, uh, advertiser, there's a lot more advertising there. Then yeah. it's capitalism on steroids se season and it drops right at the beginning of it. Does Spotify run ads? Uh, I genuinely for, don't know. Yes, I don't use yeah. it. Like, so, th so their model okay. is basically that you can get no ads for a paid tier, or you can listen for free with ads. It's like most. Okay. So yeah, like, like most streaming services yeah. these days. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that makes sense. Back in the day, I think it was just a subscription thing and there wasn't an ads version, I think. And that's, I, I just, I haven't used it. So I, my brain has not adapted yeah. to there being a new model. But like, and you know, even more directly though, like if I'm thinking about Spotify a lot and there's a music lover in my life and it's getting people gifts season. I can give yep. them the gift of a, an annual subscription to Spotify. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. I think that, that's, that's a lot of it is that like, you know, the extent to which people are having conversations about the music they love is great. Yes. Like, I think that's wonderful. I think that people should be doing that and giving people the tools to do that is awesome. So shout out to Spotify for that one very small and largely coincidental part of what they're doing. Um, but it also, I think the thing is that it sort of invisibilizes the extent to which Spotify is music. It's a way of saying like, I am having a conversation about the music I like. So obviously there's going to be a Spotify logo in this post. Like that's why wouldn't there be? And I think that's a lot of it is that it has not necessarily that like active advertising thing of like, Hey, it's Spotify, Spotify, check out Spotify. Uh, and more just that like, it becomes, again, passively synonymous with music listening yeah. because so many people, when they're talking about their music listening, they are talking about Spotify. Yeah. It weeds its way into the culture and like yeah. wields, wields impacts that genuinely affect the well-being of music scenes, the money that musicians are able to make. Like yeah. streaming has collapsed the industry in a lot of ways but i mean it it yeah. also again there are incredible things and i listen to music on streaming but i do think it's important to remember that like the internet was going to collapse the pre-existing music industry yes. no matter what yes like that was as soon as you could share files through a wire that connected to everyone else in the not everyone in the world but like millions and now billions of people like it it just it just wasn't going to work to sell physical CDs. Like there there was no way to make that model last. And so I don't know what a good model would have looked like from there. It wouldn't have looked like this. Yeah. Yeah. But also it's not surprising to me that instead of that we did get this. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent. The industry was going to collapse, but it might have collapsed yeah. in a way that created more equity rather than less given yeah. how stratified yeah. it was already. In fact, one one looking back in time might have thought it was impossible for there to be uh, less equity in the music yeah, for industry. For things to get worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, like, 
I, I guess I guess really the 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 whole thing that I w- wanted to talk about here was really just a rant about platforms and big data. I think that that's yeah. really what I, this I was about all suspected. the time. Yeah, but yeah, from a less sort of raw raw burn it all down place. I do also just think that there's an interesting observation to be made about the way that we are more self-conscious about the way that we listen to music. I think I'm sure people have always identified with radio stations and, you know, people have always worn band tees and stuff like that. Like, but I think this specific breed of datification, there's, I don't know, there's something unique and interesting and worth talking about with it. We can get into all of, I mean, we did get into all of the platform stuff for an extended period, but if nothing else, like I, I invite you Next time Spotify Wrapped comes around, we're we're dropping this literally basically as far away from Spotify Wrapped as you can. Yeah. Um, but just like be aware of these things, and you know, you know, think about the ways that it affects your views of music. And I like I I really yeah. want to encourage people to sort of look beyond. You know, look at the the reasons why platforms are doing things. I guess that's the big takeaway from this is Spotify, like YouTube, like any platform, there are reasons why they do everything that they do, except they're very, very good at couching them into, you know, disguising this as, oh, we just did this because we like you and we have this data and we thought it would be cool. Yeah, and I think, like, again, I think a lot of people know that. It's just always worth being more aware of. Yeah. Uh, But I do think on on that point, sort of before we wrap, to just open a completely new can of worms. Yeah. um, Like, we talked sort of about how these things sort of funnel you into specific listening habits uh, and listening habits that are dictated by the platforms and that tend to encourage you to like focus on things so that you get the numbers, number go big type deals. But that also coincides, like the rise of Spotify coincides very cleanly with the death of genre in modern music. And so there's oh, an yeah. extent to which a lot of that is also, and like, I think I would give more credit to Pandora than Spotify on that particular point if I was giving credit to platforms, which as, as a rule, I do not do. But like, I think that there's an extent to which there is also a competing incentive because all of this is available to not worry as much about exactly which one is you. And there's a lot of value to that. Like that's, that's not really a data thing. Um, But it is, I think, a thing about Spotify and a thing about music streaming in general is that it's so much easier like the platform has an incentive to try to pigeonhole you. Yeah. But it also has the tools to dig your way out of that. And I think a lot of people are. And that's becoming, I think, a much more common thing to not really think of yourself as a metalhead or a rock fan or like an R&B fan, uh, like whatever, like those sorts of all of those different categories. Someday I want to, I really want to do a video about sort of how genre is dying and why that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that is a good point. And I, you know, I think that, that th- there is something that like, I, I think that actually speaks to something where maybe one of the reasons why people love Spotify rap so much is specifically because those old associations that we used to have have crumbled and we like to, you know, it used to be that you could associate yeah. as a metalhead. And I mean, metalheads still pretty much associate as metalheads. So that's, yeah, we that's a we bad did. example. That's yeah. True. Yeah. Y'all are, uh, y'all are absolutely killing it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of those associations provide a comfort, a community and an identity. And I think, you know, Spotify wrapped and yeah. the, the data stuff in a world where it's harder and harder for people to latch on to genre as a cultural identifier, this does deliver people cultural identifiers that they can sort of latch onto and share and show with their friends and things like that. And that's, I don't know, that's something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And on, so on the flip side, again, to keep flipping sides, like it also, I think you do see more, and this this might just be social media more than it is Spotify and streaming, 
But I think these days you see a lot more like, you know, fragmented, but like very strong devotion to specific artists. Yeah. Like, you know, BTS, Taylor Swift, those sorts of things. Stand like, culture. Yeah, sure. Um, but like that, that sort of thing has become, and again, like, there's historical precedent, like Beatlemania, if nothing else. Yeah. But like, you know, and, and it's this these days, it is much more fragmented. Like, I, I think Beatlemania was a much more broad cultural phenomenon than Taylor Swift could ever be, uh, or even Beyonce. But like, there's still an extent to which, again, and I, I, I don't... I don't want to overascribe that to just seeing a number once a year that says you are in the top 0.1% of Taylor Swift fans. Like that's not, yeah, that's not the only thing driving that. Uh, but that is, I think ties into that, like that fan culture as a way of signaling to other fans. It's like, look, I'm good. I'm it, one it of gives the, you, the best Taylor Swift fans. It gives you a way where you can seemingly like, you know, quote unquote, objectively, uh, signal yeah. your in-group with yeah. data. Yeah. Said in with quotation marks. Well, no, no quotation marks. Noah believes that your taste in music is objective and it is best me uh, measured by the number of times you have listened to each artist on Spotify. Uh, those are Noah's beliefs. He mentioned it in a video. There's actually only one measurement. It's objectively the number of times you've listened to Behind Blue Eyes by Limp Biscuit. That is that is yeah. my object objective measurement. That that measures yeah, how much of a fan you are of Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes. Uh, but no, that that's yeah, like I said, I think a lot of it is like I don't want to come across as I, I know I come across as sounding really negative and cynical uh, on this sort of thing. Yeah, this is a cynical episode. Yeah, this it is. Uh, and that happens whenever you get me talking about platforms. And I will not apologize for that. But I do recognize it. It's so easy in a lot of these cases to take those critiques of platforms and project them onto users. And yeah. to, to say like Spotify wrapped is bad for all of these reasons. And so you're a bad person and a bad music fan for caring. That yeah, sucks no, I, as a stance. Like a, a stance that we are firm on on Ghost Notes, yeah. and we I will reiterate until I die is there yeah. is no wrong way to listen to music. Yeah, and it's like yeah, if if seeing that you are in the top point one percent of Taylor Swift listeners or whatever brings you a little joy in a world where joy can be hard to find sometimes, great, I love that for you. And you should have that. Yeah. And I'm glad that Spotify is giving genuinely like that. I, I know it's hard to say this without sounding sarcastic, but I am. I am glad that you have access to that information that makes your life better. It's just worth asking why, you know, why do you have access to that information? And more importantly, why do they? Yeah, I, I think that that's a great thought to end on unless you had another wrench you wanted to throw in at the 59th minute. Uh, I think I'm good. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else. I got my platform rant out. I got my you should like music rant out. So it's it's been a Ghost Notes episode. Yep, yep. Uh, Bob Dylan, Jackson Brown. Yep. Um, sure, yep. sure, of course. You know, let's throw <laughs> Jethro Tull in there for yeah. Okay, measure. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We we've been doing this for like two and a half years now, and we uh, still don't know how to end. Yeah. Yeah, well, this has been your uh, Ghost Notes wrapped. You are in, you are in the, uh, the top one percent of Ghost 100 Notes. Hundred percent of my heart. You are. I if you are listening to this, I can actually tell you objectively, you are in the top hundred percent of Ghost Notes listeners. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't ask why we know it. It's for very nefarious. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Take care. Bye. <laughs>